Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. We're a little behind on getting these podcasts up. I've been out of town for the last two weeks going to the National Vineyard Conference, or should I say the first International Vineyard Conference up in Columbus, Ohio. It was quite a blast to be with people from 60 different countries from around the world worshiping God together in the vineyard movement. So, this is from July 5th. This is a member of our teaching team, Skip Koshak. So let's go ahead and go to the talk, and we'll hear from Skip today's word. Thanks for listening. North Shore Vineyard Church, downtown Covington. So what I'd like to do, if it's okay, is I'd like to open with a word of prayer in just continuation of what Penny shared earlier. And Father, I just thank you for this day and and for the fact that we can be here, that we have the freedom to be here, and that we choose to be here. Lord, I pray that anything that I share would be of you, and it would not be of me. And that anything that is of me, of my flesh, or my intellect, or my ego, would fall harmlessly to the ground. That no one would be hurt. No one would be confused. But Lord, I also pray that those words that are of you, that they would sear, that they would land, that they would plant, that they would grow. So bless us all, Father. In Jesus' name. All right. So I want to start off with a couple testimonies. Number one, I want to reiterate what was said about Celebrate Recovery. Um, I was there Wednesday night, and I am a participant in that program, which is to say I'm on the road to recovery. Another fancy way we talk about that in church talk is I'm being sanctified. So... If you think about sanctification, it's just me becoming the way God designed me to be, and he does that for me if I allow him. We'll talk about that in a second. I shared this Wednesday night. Uh, Pam, my wife, is of 32 years now. I think that's right. Actually, it's 33 years, Um, is working with the children. So if you have children and... Uh, They're back there. Um, You can thank Pam and others who are volunteering to be with them, and it's their pleasure to do it. So 30 years ago this week, one of the most incredible, courageous things that I've ever seen happen happened. I was a newly minted petroleum engineering graduate from what was the University of Southwestern Louisiana. Any raging Cajuns? Thank you. Woo! Darnell LSU, we would have been back to the World Series, but we won't talk about that. And then they lost. If you're going to beat us, at least win. Anyway, I'm over that. <laughs> and I was working as a, as a summer engineer in a field called Sherrington, outside of Lafayette. You don't need to worry about all that. But I was driving home, and it was the week of my birthday, because this is the week of my birthday. And I got home, Pam and I had been married for uh, two years at the time, and I thought, this is going to be great, because we're going to do something great for my birthday. I come in, she's sitting on the couch, she invites me to sit down, and she says, I want to tell you what your birthday present is. And I'm like, awesome, right, thinking to myself, this is going to be great. Because at the time, now I'm going to date some people, who knows what a Commodore 64 computer is? Who doesn't? (laughs) Meet me after. We'll talk about the evolution of computer technology. It was one of the early home 
uh, personal computers. And back then, it had a cassette tape drive. Yes, young among us. Back in the ancient days, there were not disk drives. I had a cassette drive. Fast forward, get to that program spot. Fast forward, right? We don't have to do that anymore. So I wanted a disk drive. And back then, they were like 250 bucks, which think about this, this is 30 years ago. That was a lot of money. So that's what I'm expecting. She's going to get me that disk drive, because I had dropped a few hints. So anticipating, she says, I've enrolled you as an outpatient at the chemical dependency unit of Acadiana. Let that sink in. No disk drive. And she said, I won't divorce you, but if you don't go, I'm going to move in back in with my parents, and I'm going to take all my stuff with me. My stuff. I'm like, dang. So part of my defense mechanism as an addict growing up in a dysfunctional home was the use of humor. And actually, uh, Crispin talked about that a little bit last week um, or the week before. I don't remember which. I listened to both podcasts last night. And so I thought, okay, let's test this. I said, so, and this is going to be ironic. I said, what do I get for Christmas? Mandeville? Who knows what that means? Why do you know? Oh, never mind. So there's uh, like an insane asylum kind of, I'm sure they have a better word for it today. Thank you. Psychiatric mental hospital, which arguably I should have gotten that, but anyway. Uh, she didn't laugh. And when she didn't laugh, I knew that she was dead serious and that I had to make a choice. And I wish I could tell you that I made that choice fully on my own and that I'm so smart and that I realized that the time had come. All I knew is that I wanted her more than I didn't want to be without, or more than I wanted to be without her, right? So I had reached a crossroads and I accepted. And, and what then, be, what began was a journey that's been 30 years in the making. Um, so that's testimony one I wanted to share with you. So that's about the awakening and the understanding that I am a person in perpetual recovery. A few months later, she had influenced me, second thing she did for me, among many, to start going to this thing called a kinship group at this weird church called the Vineyard in Lafayette, Louisiana. Now, Pam was born and raised Catholic, and so she was going to Mass in the morning and Vineyard in the afternoon, and she wasn't telling a whole lot of people she was doing that, because uh, back then, uh, she would have been somewhat shunned by her family, actually. So I said, okay, I'll go. Why not? I can't drink anymore. <laughs> and so I started going. And what I began to discover was that there were people that loved me for who I was that actually weren't freaked out that I was uh, an alcoholic. They weren't freaked out about the things that had happened in my childhood. And several months into this, we get invited to go to a full gospel businessmen's dinner at the Cajun Dome. Now, we didn't have a lot of money. We were still, like, freshly newly married. So we didn't pay for the dinner, but you could wait outside, and when the dinner was over, they'd let people in to come hear the speaker. So that's what we did. And there was a gentleman named Tace who was a South African evangelist who had actually been a stuntman. And he got up to speak, and he started sharing his testimony. And he was a stuntman in one of the Hooper movies. Who remembers the Hooper movies with Burt Reynolds? Thank you. He played a stuntman in the movie. One of the scenes of the movie, Tace, as his double, jumps off of a building like three stories high, and he's supposed to hit this device that'll keep him from getting hurt. And for some reason, he missed it and literally hit the pavement. 
Now, in his testimony, he says that right before he hit the pavement, he left his body. So I'm listening to this guy. I'm like, yeah, you left your body. And then he starts talking about what he experienced. And the more he began to talk, like, have you ever been in one of those rooms or listening to somebody when, like, the, the, the people that are around start to disappear and it kind of gets dark and, and it's really light on the person who's speaking? It's like a tunnel and you're freaking out in your mind. You're going, like, what's going on here? I didn't smoke pot before I came. I didn't drink. It, that can't be that, you know. He's talking to a room of probably 200 people or something, but he's talking to me. He's, like, talking to me. And the more he spoke about how he encountered Christ, I'm like, wow, wait a second. There's something going on here. And by the time he was done, I was weeping, and Pam and I went up and accepted Christ. Not the Christ that I'd heard about, not all this religion stuff, not stuff that was really harming me but like the real deal, like the deal we were singing about, like Faith was leading us into his presence this morning, that guy. And I'm like, I don't know about the rest of this, but I want that. And so he prayed for us. He prayed for our marriage. And so that was the second turning point in my life. And they're very connected, and it's the same journey because I'm still recovering from that, in, that encounter, and I'm still growing and learning about him as he transforms my life. So thank you for listening. Those are my two testimonies I wanted to share with you this morning. Recap from Crispin last week. Um, and roadmap, I'm going to walk you through some slides. I promise I'm going to try to stay on task. I rabbit trail. You're either going to like that or you're going to hate it. I love you. <laughs> so Crispin is conti was continuing on the road to recovery messages that he's been sharing and that we will continue. In fact, our dear Penny will carry us forward next week as we kind of pass the baton and continue this on. Crispin talked about waking up in a, in a boat with oars and feeling like you had to row and row and row and do all the work yourself. And then at some point you wake up and realize there's a sail. Like, whoa, where there's a sail. I don't have to do all the work. Let me put the sail up and let the wind push me where I need to go. Right? And the wind, of course, is the spirit. It's our relationship with the one who can save us. But in doing that, you have to give up control. Hmm. He talked about the hopelessness of our condition, our sin condition, right? And in order for us to fix it, kind of in man speak, we created isms like legalism and moralism and ways to describe it because we're going to attack this thing and solve it on our own. They always fail. I heard it said once that all isms become wasms because they don't work. And it's true. He talked about dealing with things in our sheer force of our will as though I could make things change on my own, right? Clinical definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing and expecting a different result. See, that Mandeville place isn't so bad. So we're prisoners, but there's hope, right? So the first step Referring back to AA 12 steps, I'm powerless. I am power. I'm going to tell you right now, AA or not, I am powerless without the power of Christ. The second, there is a higher power. So if I'm not the power who has it, there is power out there. What are you tapped into? So there's hope. So moving on. He talked about the journey that we're on, powerless over our behavior and choices, the one who has the power to save us, and then, and then ultimately, we freely make the choice to turn our lives over. Right? Except, 
Sometimes we turn it over. Sometimes we take it back. Then we got to turn it over again. We don't like the way he's doing it. I don't know what you're doing, Christ. Let me try to straighten you out because you're getting it wrong. I can do it better. I take it back. He loves me through it. I give it back. So it's a journey. So what we're going to talk about today is we're going to continue on that journey. And today's going to be hard. I'm just going to tell you right now. Today's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for me. It's going to be hard for you. But it's going to be hard in a good way. I hope you agree with me when we're done. So who knew that God could use Glenn Fry and Don Henley and the Eagles to share a message that's so important to us? The lyrics of that song, I'll touch on a couple of them. And I will provide scripture, so don't get overly nervous. <laughs> but what I want to do now, I told you this is going to be a hard message. Turn to the person to your left and right and say you're loved. You are loved. 
The one loves you. I love you. You love me. We're a happy family. <laughs> All right. Are y'all ready to get real? Let's get real. The unexamined life is not worth living. Plato from the Apology. Or from the Princess Bride. <laughs> Plato, Aristotle, Socrates. Morons. Thank you. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm giving you some foundational scripture, some foundational quotes, kind of from muses and musicians, because I want us to sink in this notion that we have been saved and we have been delivered and we have been freed, but that's the beginning, not the end. And freedom, oh freedom, that's just some people talking. Your prison is walking through this world all alone if you don't let somebody love you. Let somebody love you. We're going to talk about those somebodies. It's, it's, it's the one, Papa, God, Christ, Spirit, whatever name you want to use, as long as it's the one. It's yourself. I have to love myself. With all my warts and, and boils and wackiness and quackiness and, and faults, I have to love myself. Because I can't love you if I don't love myself. And I can't love myself if I don't accept his love of me. Because he's the source of power, not me. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God. Hmm, wait a second. I'm going to talk about that. You have your fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life in Romans. Wait a second. How can I be set free and be a slave? How can I be set free? You just freed me. But be a slave. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. There's that word again. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Hmm. I'm free, but I'm being warned not to be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. How can that be? Because if I'm truly free, I shouldn't have to worry about bondage. If I'm truly set free, what's the dynamic that's happening here? We're going to talk about that dynamic. I'm a fool for Jesus. Whose fool are you? John Wimber. For those who don't know, John Wimber was the founder of the vineyard. And if he were still alive, he probably wouldn't like people to say, hey, John Wimber, the founder of the vineyard, although that elevate, uh, elevates him like, you know, some godlike person because he's not. He wasn't. He never wanted to be. But I like this quote from him because it cuts to the essence of what it means to be free from sin but to still be enslaved to Christ. We're all fools. Hard message today, every one of you. Me, the biggest fool amongst the people in this room, we are all fools. The question is, who are we a fool for? All right, so Iceberg Desperado. What is that all about? Okay, we're going to talk about that. Characteristics of an iceberg. What you see at the surface that everybody can see. Here's my favorite one. Zach, would you get up? Thank you. This is Zach and I this morning at the surface. Hey, brother, how's it going, man? Hey, man. 
God is good. Awesome. How are things going? Great? Good, dude. Good. No worries? No cares? Awesome. Must be God. Come on. Right? We don't have to put on a face, but we do. I do. Right? I don't want you to know that Pam and I fought like cats and dogs. But I tell you what, I put her in her place last night. We were fighting like cats and dogs, and by the time it was all over, she was on her hands and knees. It's true. She was looking under the bed saying, get out from under there, you chicken. <laughs> I told you, humor. Icebergs, what's visible, what's barely visible, and then what's invisible to the human eye. Right, The things that are really beneath the surface. And the truth is, just like with any living plant, we talked about this Wednesday night in, in Celebrate Recovery, it flows from the roots, from the bottom up. And so if what's flowing up is not good, and that embarrasses you or makes you feel uncomfortable, or you're trying to put on airs, you cover it up. And you make, you make nice. Oh, God is good, brother. And God is good. There's nothing wrong with that. But God being good doesn't mean I don't have trouble. And if I've got trouble, you need to know it. Because you can help me with his power to overcome my trouble. But you can't help me overcome my trouble if you don't know I've got troubles. Oh, but I can't tell people. Well, Scripture says, confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And I apologize. I should have told you for all of these scriptures, every single one of them, do not take my word for it. Do not take my word that they apply Read the context around them. If you're driven to check me out, and you should be because Scripture says test the spirit, so you should be testing the spirit here, and I encourage you to do so because I can get it wrong. If you do check these Scriptures out, if you listen to this podcast again, if you've got 45 minutes or so to invest, read the Scriptures in context. Okay? Confess your sins, your trespasses, your shortcomings, your faults, your foibles, your warts, whatever, to somebody else. See, the next two steps in AA are all about taking a fearless inventory and then sharing that inventory with God and with another human being. Not your dog. And by the way, your dog can't be God. Right? Here's a tricky one from Matthew. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Let me... Oh, sorry. Or how can you say to your brother... Let me remove the speck. And look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. Now, I didn't cut the scripture off there because look what it says. It says, first, remove the plank from your eye, and then you could remove the speck from your brother's eye or your sister's eye, right? So it doesn't say don't be concerned about the speck in your brother's eye. It says get that darn plank out of yours because if I'm walking around with a plank and you're looking at me with the speck, you're going, I just got a speck. <laughs> I just got sawdust. You've got a, a, a freaking fence post. Right? And it, it, it's not about being concerned about being a hypocrite because it, 
um, because it embarrasses you or because it lowers you or makes you feel lower. That's not what this scripture is driving at. It's driving at in order for you to be effective, clean your house first. Because then when your brother and sister see your diligence in cleaning your house with the power of God, you're not doing this in your own power. Then when you go to their house, they've been to your house and they see that it's clean. Then when you go to their house, they might be open to you saying, hey, do you need some help cleaning your house? But in order to have that conversation, you have to have trust. You have to care for each other, right? Okay, so how do we do this? Let's go back to the iceberg, okay? There's a couple ways to do this. Um, Winnie the Pooh is my oldest daughter, Emily's, 20 years old, favorite character, still is. If you see her room, which is somewhat clean, actually, it's pretty clean. Um, she's got poo stuff everywhere. She's just a Winnie the Pooh fanatic. So the first step, or, or one of the means of taking this moral inventory is looking in the mirror but being honest when you look in the mirror, right? So it's me looking in the mirror saying, you know what, I want to be what he's called me to be, not what you've called me to be, but what he's called me to be. And by the way, he's called you to be the same way he's called me to be. Hmm. So maybe we should be doing this together and maybe we should be on the same path, right? But it's his plan, not mine, his plan, not yours. So when we're working together, I'm not trying to please you. And honestly, I'm not doing it to please him. I'm not doing it to please him. He's not a God that's up there or wherever he is going, hmm, I'm not pleased with you right now. Just not pleased. Legalism, moralisms, the isms that haunt us. My view of God because my father was an abusive jerk. And he was, God rest his soul. But he didn't know any better. But my view of God was based upon this abusive figure who would walk in the room and own it. And if he didn't like it, he would knock me down. Figuratively and literally. See, I have to undo that view of God. But it's not a one-time deal. I've got to constantly undo that view of God. And whatever your view of God is, whatever the source is, just question it. What have I transferred onto God? Because this is what I think authority looks like. As opposed to clear your mind, make a space, and let him tell you. Okay? So me looking at me. When we go deeper in the iceberg, this is where we need the most help. We don't need to help with the visible. Because you get that almost automatically. I mean, if I walked in here with no clothes on, I'd know pretty quick that you knew I had no clothes on. Although... I might deceive myself. You know, the emperor has no clothes, right? But the deeper stuff, this is where the work is, right? And so this is where I need you to hold a mirror up to me. Now, you can't hold a mirror up to me if I'm running around and avoiding the mirror. Right? Literally. You're chasing me around. You've got the mirror. I don't want to see it. But I told you I wanted you to show me, but I really don't. Right? No. Zach, here's the mirror. Hold it up to me. And you can do that because I know you love me. I know we're on the same journey. I know we're both faulted. I know we're going to get it wrong. I know you're going to hurt me. I know I'm going to hurt you. I know it. I'm not going to do it on purpose unless I've had a really, really, really bad day, right? Because sometimes I do that. 
Am I the only one that's ever yelled at one of my kids? Right? When they really didn't deserve it? Or should I ever yell at them? Right? See, I've got degrees of that. Well, this really deserves a yell. Am I the only one? Thank you. I know I'm not, but that's okay. We're still at the visible. (laughs) But you helping me to see is the only thing with the help of God that is going to help me clean up the invisible so that when the invisible flows up to the visible, it looks more like who? Christ. Because isn't that what our journey is? Aren't we being transformed into the likeness of Christ? That's, that's the gospel extension in the nutshell. It's not just I got saved and I'm not going to hell. That is so boring and so unfulfilling because it's like, well, then just jump in front of a bus, right? Why am I here if that's what it's all about? Maybe it's about something else. Maybe it's about allowing my life to be transformed into his likeness so that people will see the transformation in me and wonder what the source is. You mean, Skip, my first witness is not verbal, oral, but it's living and visible? Shake your head, yes. Right? Because religion tells us how to live and how to put on that visible face. Faith tells us that I'm free from the power of sin, but don't let that newfound freedom allow you to do things that aren't good for you. And if you want to help other people on this journey, allow yourself to be transformed into his likeness. It's a hard message. Okay. There's all sorts of ways to tackle this. But it all goes back to recognizing that there's a process that I'm powerless, he's powerful. I consistently, well, not consistently, but I should consistently lay my life down. See, we sang earlier, we, 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 we're, not, <laughs> we're not overly organized in terms of, hey, what are you going to be teaching on? I don't know. Let's get these songs together because it jives with what we're going to be teaching. We're, we're more like, what's God put on your heart to worship today? Each of the songs applied to this message It wasn't orchestrated. When I lay my cares down at his feet, it's because he has the power to address them. I'm not the power that lays it down. I'm just the dummy that recognizes I can't carry the load. So, so there's a process, involves him, it involves you, it involves fellowship. One of the things that first attracted me to AA was, and Ricky and I have talked about this before, it's the first place I ever went where people were real. I mean that. And I've been a lot of places. I've worked with big companies, small companies. I work for a huge company today. Um, it's the first place I ever went where people were real. It's like, yeah, hey, I'm Skip. I'm an alcoholic. I'm lost. 
The reason I left AA was because they only brought me close enough to the one. I couldn't have my dog be my higher power. The principles of AA are solid. The principles that we're covering in Celebrate Recovery, which are essentially mirroring those, by the way, from a scriptural, biblical perspective, are solid. If you want to be around some real people, come on Wednesday night. No holds barred, warts and all. This is who I am. This is what I'm struggling with. This is why I desperately need a Savior. And I am one of those people. So I'm going to read a long quote. No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a cloud be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less. As well as if a promontory were, as well as if a manner of thy friends or thine own were, any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind. And therefore, never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. John Don was a 17th, 16th, 17th century English clergyman and sort of a mystic at the time. And you've probably heard that quote, for whom the bell tolls, before, at least that part of it, right? Uh, that's where it came from. It's a poem. That, that's just part of a longer poem. But the truth is, none of us are islands. None of us are the, the desperado that's, you know, going to make it out riding the fences on our own. Hiding the things that drive us and hurt us. What we ought to be are people that ride down from our fences and open the gate. Ride down from your fences, open the gate. Open it to him, open it to yourself, and open it to each other. Open the gate. You'd better let somebody love you before it's too late. And I'm not talking about too late because you're going to go to hell. I'm talking about too late because you're going to miss out on health, wholeness, true freedom. Being what he's called you to be. Not to please him. That's not the purpose. The, the act of doing that naturally pleases him. But you're not doing it to please him. You're doing it because it's the natural thing for you to do because he's freed you. Pam and I have a garden in the backyard and more cucumbers than we know what to do with. It's the craziest thing. We've never been gardeners. <laughs> Those that were here Wednesday night will appreciate this. The thing that makes that garden work, Dan, is the poo-poo dirt. It's the poo-poo dirt. Dan took me to this dude who's got a dairy farm, and he's got loads of it. And for what, 10 bucks? 10 bucks, we get a, a trailer full. And so Dan and I, he's got it backed up, and I'm scooping dirt, poo-poo dirt. Anyway, that was an aside. The nutrients that create that fruit and those vegetables are in that dirt. I didn't do anything but make sure the poo-poo dirt was there. That's all I did. I mean, I built boxes and all kinds of stuff for Pam and I to enjoy it, and we are. And Pam picked out the plants, and we planted them, and we water them. So we do the things that you need to do, and then we watch in amazement. That's God at work, not me. As you grow and bear fruit that's natural because you've 
surrendered yourself to him the way those plants surrender themselves to the poo-poo dirt? What happens is you naturally get nutrients that grow you and, and, and result in the natural fruit. But I don't stand back and look at that cucumber plant and say, produce fruit. I don't talk to my plants. <laughs> right? But I stand back in amazement. And for those of you who are parents, you see this dynamic with your children. It's when I try to intervene and force them to become a certain way that it gets derailed. You've heard the term that God is a gentleman because, in other words, God doesn't burst in and force me to make choices. It's true. God says, here's the dirt, plant, grow, or not. Okay, so what I'd like to do, and uh, Faith, if you could come up, thank you. We're going to spend a few minutes, and there are a couple of questions. And so we're going to have some mood music. And we're going to kind of slow things down, slow your minds down. I won't walk them through the whole process, Ricky. Your arm feels like it fell off. <laughs> That's an inside joke from Celebrate Recovery. Although it's true that we all need to improve our meditation, we need to recapture as Christians the mystical side of our faith. See, the isms killed the mysta. Ooh, schism, that's an ism. Hmm. There are some good isms. <laughs> Actually, that ism became a wasm, and it shouldn't have. There is a mystic side to our faith that requires us to let go and allow him to touch us. So let's try that a little bit this morning. If you can clear your minds. So first question I'd like you to think about, I'll, I'll share the question. Close your eyes, keep them open, do, it, do whatever you'd like. Am I willing to courageously examine what lies beneath the surface? If not, What prevents me from doing that? Am I comfortable inviting another person to hold a mirror up to me. If not, what prevents me from doing that? And really, no matter how you responded to those questions, there is one question that you need to answer for yourself. When you leave throughout the week, whenever God quickens it to you, where do I go from here?
if you have questions, if this has touched you in any way and you feel like you need to share it, if you have anything that's burdening you and you would like to get prayer, when we close, I'll invite the prayer team to come up. By the way, you don't necessarily have to go to the prayer team. If there's somebody sitting next to you that can pray with you, go for it. You can pray in the parking lot. There's nothing, you know, there's no sanctity of coming up to the front. But if you'd like to, you certainly can. If you'd like to pray to learn more about Christ and how he can change your life, if you haven't fully taken that step to turn your life over and you'd like to share that with one of us, you're certainly free to do that today as well. So I'll close this in prayer. Father, we just thank you again that we can be here. I thank you that freedom in your kingdom is freedom from the things that can hurt me, the power that they can have in my life. I thank you that it really means that I'm a slave to you and there's nothing wrong with that. I pray that the words that I shared that were of you will resonate with people, that they will challenge people, that they will grow people, myself being the head of the list on that. And I pray that anything, Father, that was misconstrued or just my flesh or ego, that it would be powerless and harmless. I pray for protection. And lastly, Lord, I just pray that we would continue to learn how to love each other and meet each other where we are on this crazy journey. Bless people as they travel and throughout the week. In Jesus' name, amen.